Welcome back to the Capable Podcast. It's your host, Haley here, bringing you another guest, Katie Garrison. Katie, thank you so much for coming on today to share a little bit about your journey with your daughter and a beautiful story you've had along the way. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to spread awareness and <laughs> love, know, love for our babies. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your journey with her diagnosis. How did that all look? How did that feel? Interesting. We've had a very interesting journey. It's been a, a bumpy road, but it's also been a beautiful road. You know, lots of highs, lots of lows, lots of appreciation for life has come from this. So um, I'll just begin with um, when I found out I was pregnant, everything was great. Um, I ended up going through a divorce throughout my pregnancy with Miss Lulu, which is my baby. Um, lots of stress was involved with this pregnancy highs and lows and every which angle. Um, we never knew anything was quote unquote wrong with the pregnancy. We had a very healthy pregnancy, 37 weeks, six days. So she was full term. Um, so when she came out, she just kind of had like a weak cry. And that's all the doctor said. He was like, it's just a weak cry. She's fine. I'm like, okay. You know, she was beautiful. I, you wouldn't think anything was ever wrong with her. You know, she was perfect in every way. Um, and then she kind of started to go downhill a little bit. Jaundice kind of set in her Billy Rubin was off the charts. Um, but you know, they gave us the Rubin light, sent us home and, you know, we were okay, great. She's fine. She's happy. She's healthy. And then probably when she was six days old is when she stopped eating. She pretty much seemed lifeless. She was, I'll never get the image out of my head. She kind of seemed purple, like a purple in color and just lifeless, so we immediately took her down to, to Vanderbilt and they took her out of my arms. They immediately took her into the room. And I was like, I need a breather. I need some fresh air. There's a lot going on, really stimulated. So I stepped outside where the ambulance go, you know, it's a big glass wall. And I stepped outside and the door shuts. And then all of a sudden the lights in her room just start, you know, going off. And there's like 10, 15 doctors run into her room and she coded. And all I can do is watch from the outside of this glass, just what is going on. But at that moment, I didn't realize God was protecting me from that moment. I didn't need to see it mentally, physically. I needed to be back. Yeah. Um, um, they brought her back. She was fine. She, um, we lived in and out of Vanderbilt for months. Um, you know, she had aspiration issues. She had distentia of the belly. Um, so many little things just kept popping up and we're like, okay. And to me, I took it as it was stress from the pregnancy. Um, I took it upon myself. I, I beat myself up over that day in and day out because I thought it was my fault. I thought I did this to her. I thought I was the reason why she was suffering because I was suffering, you know, Total normal response. Total. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was just, but it's hard as a mother in that moment because you, you know, you take full responsibility for your babies. And, you know, it took us, it took us 22 months to actually finally get a diagnosis with her. 22 months. That's why. Which is insane. That's how long it took to get into the genetics doctor, which is crazy to me because, you know, this is a life or death, technically, you know, because if we didn't know how to care for her and her needs, if we were doing something wrong, 
um, it was in our hands, like, but I'll never forget when she was 12 months old, we were doing her, um, it was an IEP for her step. And uh, the lady looked at me, she's like, well, with special needs kids. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. There's nothing wrong with my baby. She's fine. You know, she's just taking a little bit longer, even though, you know, she wasn't sitting up at one year old and her baby one year old birthday party. I had to prop her up. And it's like, I, I was in denial. I was in complete denial. Anything was wrong. She was perfect. You know, she's perfect on the outside. Just on the inside, you know, something was wrong. And when she said special needs, I just immediately was like defensive. Defense mode went up and I'm like, there's nothing wrong. Oh yeah, 100%. So. And once you hear special needs, it's like negative. It's like still, you know, there's, you're like, something's wrong. They're mm -hmm. not going to learn as fast. There's like a whole bunch of things that come with that when they say special needs. So anyways, that was the first blow. That was the first time I ever heard that word special needs. And to me, that word always meant, you know, detrimental, like, here's Lulu, like something, you know, I couldn't fix as a mother, like it was out of my control. And that hurt, that hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot of depression sank in from that, a lot of anxiety about her future. Um, so yeah, it finally took us 22 months to get the diagnosis. And I'll never forget when uh, the genesis called me that day. I was driving down the road and I had to pull over because he was like, your baby, she's got Soto syndrome. And I'm like, Soto syndrome? Like the first thing in my mind was, well, oh my God, what her longevity of life. Like that's the first thing I thought of. But then I just started bawling, crying because not that I was sad, not that I was upset, but the fact that we had an answer. Yeah, We had something to go by. We we knew at this point we can learn how to properly take care of her and to love her fully and, you know, benefit her to the fullest. So, um, it's Soto syndrome. It's this, another word for it's cerebral gigantism, um, where her bones grow quicker than her muscles. So she has a really hard time with muscle tone, muscle weakness. Um, she just has a hard time catching up. She actually has a deleted chromosome. I think it's in her 36 panel. And um, so she has a lot of internal like kidney disease and heart issues and cognitive abilities. Um, she's 10 years old and she's, you know, she's nonverbal. She's got a few handful of words that we can say together, but um, the doctors, they told us that she would probably never walk, never talk and to go ahead and prepare a future for that. Um, I'll tell you what, this diagnosis, it hasn't stopped her. You know, Not God right. can, doctors can't sometimes, you know, you just have to put your full faith into it and trust that he has a reason for yeah. doing this. Oh you my know, God. she's, yeah, okay. she's been the biggest blessing, the biggest love of life. And she's just so pure. And to watch that is to watch an angel, you know, it's just, she's, she's so perfect in every way. So once you found out the diagnosis, like, what did you do after that? Did you start doing research? What did you do? Oh, immediately. I had pulled over as soon as I got off the phone. I was on Google. <laughs> I was like, Soto syndrome. And it was like one in 15,000 have it. And I'm like, go figure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go figure. So, um, you know, I started to get on Instagram and Facebook and try to reach out to different communities that had Soto syndrome kids. 
um, and, and watch their journeys to see how they, you know, coped with the disease and, um, you know, kind of hope for the future. Did doctors like really know how to like put you in the right direction? No, absolutely not. Um, our geneticist at Vanderbilt, he said he'd been there for 10 plus years. He said, I'll be real honest with you. He's like, this is my first Soto syndrome case. He said, we're going to learn this together. And I'm like, so we were literally learning right by each other. Like, yeah, it was education system. Like the schools, did they know how to help you out? Um, they, I'll tell you what, we live in Williamson County here in uh, Tennessee. Phenomenal. I cannot praise them enough. Um, we have met nothing but angels that want to do nothing but help us um, and learn Lulu and her, her needs, you know, because every kid, you know, they learn differently and they have really taken her under their wings and taught her and loved her. And I couldn't be more thankful. We have such a great team behind us. That's awesome. It sounds like the school system actually helped you out more so than the healthcare field. At 1000%, 1000%. I swear it's like every time I joke because the first five years of life we kept, you know, we'd go to the doctor and every time we'd leave with a new diagnosis. So it was like, okay, well this time she has autism. Well, this time she has, you know, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, you know, praxia, all this stuff. And it's like, each time I'm like, my, our rap sheet just kept getting bigger. And it's like, nothing was ever done about it. It's just like, here's your diagnosis. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. So, and, and then that's where I praise the school system because they took those diagnoses and they actually led us. They helped us. So how did that, how did you feel like getting all those diagnoses and like, how did you feel like fitting into society as like a mom and like gaining like, you know, relationships and connections? How did you feel? Right. Well, that, you know, the diagnosis is, it's a hard pill to swallow each time you get a new one. It's like, okay, well, how is this going to affect our day-to-day -day life? Um, but, you know, we had a great community. We went to High Hopes for years and years they they got her walking the first day she walked she walked with them and when I was in those bubbles like when we were in the high hopes bubbles you know the therapy system or in the school system you know you feel safe you feel okay you feel understood um but when it comes to the outside world they have no idea like this is a whole different ball game like this is a different way of life yeah um I lost a lot of friends I will say because they were scared. They didn't know how to talk to me about it. They didn't want to say their own things. I lost a lot of closeness with family members, to be honest with you. Oh, I'm going to get emotional. Woo, we'll pull it together. But yeah, because, you know, they don't know how to take a diagnosis. They don't, you know, the family that was closest to me, oh, I'm so sorry. Like every time they look at her, I'm just so sorry for you, Katie. You just got such a so much on your plate. And I'm like, don't feel sorry for me. She's the best thing yeah. I could have ever asked for. Like, I'm so thankful for her. And it's not a weakness. It's, it's honestly a strength of ours. Yeah. She's a superhero and I get to watch her, her beauty every single day and her fight for life and her fight for acceptance. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. And it's saddening, you know, saddening at times, but um, I couldn't have a better role model for me, honestly. She gives me joy and strength every single day. So yeah. 
because even as a teacher, I face the same thing, you know, they're like, oh, you're mm-hmm. a lead teacher. So, you know, oh my gosh, bless you. Like you go mm-hmm. through so much. And it's like, I don't know, I find it a little frustrating how it's just so like pity and just like pity. sadness and like they're not capable and it's it's mm-hmm. frustrating to me. And it seems like you and I both had the same values of like, they're strong, you know, they mm-hmm. are just like anyone else. they're capable of doing whatever they would like it might be different than you know other people but like there's nothing wrong like Mm -hmm. now that we have this diagnosis now we can proceed on how to help them as an individual but like I think that's where I get very frustrated myself is just like these kids are no different amen kids you know exactly and I get frustrated even going in the community and they stare and they point and they're just like, you know, something's wrong with this kid. And you're like, I mean, yes. Okay. You're, you're not wrong. But like at the same time, how about you get to know them? Like, Hey, what's your name? You know? Exactly. And that's one of the hardest things for us. I remember that was so hard. Like when she, you know, she would have her wheelchair, her walker, and we'd go out to just say Walmart or something. And you would see parents like pull their kids back, like, like it's contagious or something. And it's, you know, it frustrated me so much each time, but, you know, I got to the point where, you know, knowledge is power. So I would eventually, if I saw that, I would walk up, you know, if they had a child, be like, this is Lulu. Can you say hi? You know, just to let that kid know they're just like you, they have a name, you know, I do that in the classroom too. I'm like, here's so-and-so like, and what they like to do on the weekends or like, and then you find out that the kids are just like, oh, they're just like us. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> exactly. But it goes back to that lack of education. And then also like, I don't know, just maybe a little bit of stubbornness too, of like not being to learn or not yeah. like ignorance a little bit too, of just like, I don't really care to learn it so like it's part of my life I don't care to like explore outside exactly they're in their bubble and you know I think that's why God puts our our babies on this earth for people to learn how to love everyone um no matter what type of disability or you know something that they have it's just like I go in and I'm like if I'm in an upset mood and I just hang out with my kiddos it's it switches (laughs) Yeah, they'll make your day just, (laughs) they'll make you smile, that's for sure. Yeah, because every day is a new day. And it's, and I even get it from other teachers, like general ed teachers. They're just like, it's never the kid with the IEP that's the issue. And I'm like, exactly. And I think this all starts from home. I think if parents understood, you know, how to approach these types of situations, I think the future of our babies and their babies is going to be so much better. You know, they teach they need to teach kids to accept everyone, you know, don't judge, don't, you know, don't make fun of like, we're all children of God. We're all brothers and sisters. Love them. Like you want to be loved. Exactly. I think it all starts at home. Yeah. So is there any, like you're, you've been giving advice like throughout this, but is there any like permanent advice that you would like give parents with, you know, your journey of just dealing with a child with Mm -hmm. a disability? Absolutely. Um, If your child just received a diagnosis or if you're going through the process, 
have hope. Hope is the one thing you need because look at the bright side. They are, they're amazing. They're going to brighten your day. I know it seems hard. I know it seems dark, but just keep going. Love that baby to the fullest and they will love you more than you could have ever imagined love to feel like. So just keep going. Keep fighting for your babies. Don't stop. You know, you get a diagnosis. That's fine. Keep rolling. You know, find the next therapy that will help that diagnosis and keep showing that baby love and affection and you will be so rewarded in the end. Yeah, totally. Love that advice. Mm -hmm. And what would you give parents that like don't have kids with disabilities? Have, you know, have grace. If you see us in the middle of Walmart and we're having an autism episode on the middle of a floor, don't stop, don't stare, just smile, acknowledge, I see you, mom, you're doing great, keep going, you know, don't give up, I see you, Love so it. just have affection, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, everyone has their ups and their downs, you know? Amen. <laughs> you have moms. Ooh, let me tell you, have an open mind, have an open heart, go hug that baby you know if you see a baby that has special needs or a disability wave at them you're going to get the most beautiful smile in return you're going to feel something that's so pure and honest just acceptance yes 100 percent acceptance and then yeah. you know, maybe education you know educating education. yourself a little bit like absolutely your diagnosis that you're like what is that Maybe Google search it, you know, it'll take two minutes. Right. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. I learned something new for today. Okay, I got this. You know, another thing, reach out to the community. Um, there's so many, especially here in Middle Tennessee, there's so many different communities you can get involved with. So many different um, special needs moms that would love for you to reach out to them. Um, I know as soon as we got her G-tube, there was a mom here in town. I knew her son had a G-tube, so I reached out. And she had so much knowledge and so much wealth to give me. Um, so she's someone I lean on if I have questions, you know, if the doctor can't answer, I call her, you know, yeah. just reach out. Don't be scared. We're in this together. Yeah. We've got to fight underneath our belts and we are going to have the biggest angel wings when we all get to heaven. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, Community is huge. It sounds like huge. you have to find your people and like you just yeah. each other out. It's part of a club I never thought I'd be in, but it's the best club to be in. Yep. Yep. I can yep. say the exact same thing. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't teach any other subject. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today to share your amazing journey. You're doing amazing things for her. Thank you. And thank I am you. so proud of you as a mom and as an individual, just like keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. And I'm so proud of people like you that bring awareness. Couldn't yeah. do it without you. <laughs> I know. I got to keep doing it every day. <laughs> keep going, girl. We're right behind you. We're pushing with you. All right. All right. Well, stay tuned for more stories to come.